What the fuck is going on, everyone? Welcome in to the inaugural episode of the Long Game Dynasty Podcast, a roundtable discussion held weekly about Dynasty Fantasy Football. I'm your host, Tarek Angry T. Benchuya, and with me now and from now on are my friends, John Alexander, Trey Cryan, and Mitch Yates. John, what's going on, man? It's a it's a great day to talk fantasy football. Dynasty fantasy football. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Trey, what's up? Tarek, you and I had a uh, pretty uh sweet uh friendship moment earlier this week when we we're getting vaccinated at the same time a thousand miles away. Yes, that was pretty sweet. I felt kind of shitty afterward, but very happy to get that first shot in my arm. And uh yeah. All, all four of us are coming from four different great American cities, so uh, we're doing this all remote. Mitch, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you. Hanging out, South Carolina, Charleston specifically, and of course it feels great here. It's fantastic. I'm on a beach, chilling. Uh, <laughs> I, I've had COVID, but I'm going to get vaccinated too. Why not? Let's do it. All right. So we're going to be doing this show on a weekly basis, and basically just to give you an idea of what to expect uh the structure of the episodes we're going to start every show with what we're calling a coin toss uh where mitch is going to give us a this or that question with kind of no preparation and then uh the 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 pod is structured kind of like a game so we have a first half and then we have a halftime uh which is a, has a competitive aspect to it and we'll be keeping track of points and then we have a second half uh, and both the first and second half are kind of, you know, content based, the main things that we're going to be talking about in each show. Um, but before we get started, I wanted to ask Trey, uh, for anybody who hasn't played a dynasty league before, maybe uh, you're into fantasy football, but you only play the seasonal leagues. Um, what what is a dynasty league, Trey? Well, I'm so glad you asked, uh, host. So, uh, you know, I've been doing redraft uh, fantasy football since uh, high school, I guess. So, you know, coming up on 20 years now uh, and just started doing Dynasty about four or five years ago. And the main difference is instead of uh, drafting a new team uh, every summer before the season starts, you keep the same guys uh, year in and year out. And instead of uh, drafting like your whole team, you're just drafting the rookies that are coming in uh, right around the NFL draft. So. Basically, what that means is that younger players are more valuable. Uh, the team rosters are a lot bigger, and the uh, the waiver wires are a lot more shallow. So it's uh, there's definitely some different dynamics, and uh, you know, trading and player valuation is just uh, even more important than redraft. But uh, it's a great format, and if you've never done it before, I highly recommend it. Yeah, so in this pod, we're going to be talking about startup strategy. We're also going to be talking about rookie draft strategy. Uh, we're in early April here, so obviously we're going to launch the podcast by talking about these rookies. Um, so yeah, it's it. In my opinion, it is the best way to play fantasy football. Uh, I all, I, me, Trey, Mitch, and John all started playing Dynasty at the same time in the same league, and um, we've just kind of fallen in love with it. And uh, we decided to start a podcast about it, and we've been you know, piloting it for a couple months now and we're ready to launch. So we're really excited. Um, and then before we jump into our first coin toss, I wanted to ask each of our analysts um, to give us an idea or something about themselves that kind of relates to how they approach Dynasty or what their favorite thing about Dynasty is. So John, I'll throw that to you first. And we were just talking about redraft, right? And you hit me with Dynasty at the right time because it's like I've been doing redraft forever I was like, man, I am so tired of this crap. This is like 90% luck. You make the draft, and then it's like nothing. It's luck for the rest of the season. But then we tried out Dynasty, and it's like every day matters. Everything you do matters. It's so much more engaging. Uh, I pay attention to like these asinine waiver wire pickups and stuff now. It's like everything matters. It, there's still that element of luck to the game, but now it's about uh, paying attention, making the right moves, and knowing your team. I love Dynasty because it's not, it's still about luck, but it's also about me, my strategy. And when I win, I know it's not luck. It's because I built the team. And I just love that aspect of Dynasty. And uh, as far as like my, my personal strategy, 
man, I love some wide receivers. I hate running backs. You'll find out. (laughs) All right, Mitch, uh, talk to me about, about yourself. Oh, what's up guys. My name's Mitch. You can follow me at Marl's in charge. That's M A R L the letter Z, the letter N charge on Twitter. Uh, about me, I'm the outside-the-box guy. I tend to disagree with the market frequently. My rankings and values are absolutely going to reflect that. Um, I don't just do it to be the resident dickhead. That's not <laughs> that's not the objective here. That's just the style that I've used to win many fantasy championships, and I'm here to help you guys do the same thing. Um... I approach Dynasty aggressively. I'm always in the trade market, whether I am on the bottom and trying to rebuild or whether I'm on top and trying to contend. That's just, if you're always in the conversation, you're always making your team better. Um, But most of all, I, I love it. The Dynasty has gotten me into it. It has made me commit in a different in a different way because you're committed year-round. So as we're redraft, you hop in, uh, you, you forget about it, you win or your team is ass, but you can still talk about it and still enjoy it. But this is year-round. You're trading year-round. You're jockeying for position in the rookie drafts. It's the most fun format to play, and we're here to get you guys involved and into it. So, yeah, let's do it, guys. Absolutely. We're all very into it. Trey, uh, tell me something about yourself and your approach to Dynasty. Yeah, definitely. So I guess uh, compared to Mitch, who's a little bit of our uh, wild card of the group, I'm I'm probably more conventional where I'm definitely tracking the market pretty closely and looking for opportunities to uh, buy low and sell high where I do disagree. So, you know, I also out of the three of us, I probably watch the least amount of the actual games. You know, John's a big college guy and Mitch is absolutely crushing NFL Sunday every weekend. Um, me, not so much. Right. So that means I'm, I'm trusting the numbers a little bit more. I'm definitely looking for trends where I can find them and uh, trying to get a little bit smarter about the, uh, the analytics, especially when it comes to these rookie evals. That way I'm, I'm not as so slow uh, on some of these younger guys as I have been in the past. So definitely still on the dynasty uh, learning curve, but really loving the format and getting a little bit more comfortable working with some of these uh, trends and analytics. Yeah, I don't, I I mean, to say something about myself, uh, I guess I'm a little bit of a master of none, jack of all trades when it comes to dynasty analysis. I, I'm, I, I will go against the market when uh, there's a guy that I feel like is somebody I should overpay for. But at the same time, like Trey, I pay really close attention to the market. Uh, Something Mitch said, I am always trying to trade. So I think that trading in Dynasty is the most efficient way to add value to your Dynasty league. So um, we'll constantly talk about trades on this pod. Um, But yeah, so... With that being said, um, now that you kind of know a little bit about us, let's jump right into this content. So I'm going to throw it to Mitch to kick off our coin toss. All right, guys, let's do the coin toss. John, why don't you set the timer here for each player? Don't start it yet. Let's go 17 seconds. Why are we doing that? We got 17 games this season. That's exciting. Ah. We get one extra game. That's why I did that. Fucking creative. I know it. <laughs> Tarek, heads or tails? Ooh, tails always. Why? Really? <laughs> <laughs> I like a good tail, man. Oh, <laughs> nice. Okay. Tarek, tell me why you have Jamar Chase ahead of Michael Thomas. Uh, you have 17 seconds to defend that proposition. Well, um, Jamar Chase is seven years younger than Michael Thomas off the top of my head. So that's the first thing. Two, I think Jamar Chase is one of, if not the best prospects coming out at the wide receiver position we've seen in the last five years. And I don't like Michael Thomas's quarterback situation. That's great. That's good talk. Nice. (laughs) But, uh, John, if you can hit that play button, so I know you think differently, right? So tell me why you have Michael Thomas above Jamar Chase. Go. The the answer is simple. Uh, 
Michael Thomas was 2019 wide receiver one, and every rookie is like this, a coin flip. We don't know for certain that they're going to work out, so to say. I know for a fact that Michael Thomas has that potential, and I love Jamar Chase, but I don't nice, know Nice, dude. Fact. Hey, uh, Trey, why do you have T. Higgins above both of these guys? Oh, do I? Oh, man. Well, uh, so T. Higg last year as a rookie came in. He got 900 yards and, uh, what, like seven touchdowns? So, you know, that's a proven young player, whereas Jamar Chase, like John said, is kind of unknown, and Mike Thomas is in a bad situation now. Sweet. Well done, boys. That was fun. All right. So that's our coin toss, and we're going to go straight into our first half. So uh, like I referenced earlier, we're going to be talking rookies. It's April 1st when we're recording, so the biggest thing on the agenda these days is the NFL draft, and we're going to talk rookie receivers. So we're going to go down the list of the top eight rookie receivers. Uh, In the first half, we're going to do the top four. And in the second half, we're going to do the five through eight. And these rankings are based on DLF Dynasty ADP. So that's Dynasty League Football, their ADP. And that's basically calculated by uh, Ryan McDowell hosts um, all these mock drafts from very committed Dynasty players all throughout the offseason so that he can keep kind of a running ADP of all of these Dynasty players. And it's a really useful tool over at DLF and Um, we are kind of structuring that the rankings of these receivers based on that ADP. So um, let's kick it off with this wide receiver one in the 2021 class. You could consider him the 101 in your rookie drafts. Everybody knows his name is Jamar Chase. This guy is six foot, 201 pounds. Uh, Just the other day at the LSU Pro Day, he ran a reported 438. So, you know, with the Pro Day bump, you maybe call it a low 44. He jumped a huge 41-inch vertical, and basically, we know Jamar Chase because of his 2019 season. 84 receptions, 1,780 yards, and 20 touchdowns catching the ball from Joe Burrow. Guys, what do we think about Jamar Chase? This is about as locked in of a pro prospect at receiver as you could possibly get. So John called him a coin flip earlier. I'd say he's more like 80, 20, like going to work out. Like he is, he is such a locked in prospect. It's, it's crazy. Um, sophomore year, 1,780 yards as a sophomore on, on the same team as Justin Jefferson. So the kid broke out young and we didn't see him for a year because of COVID. Uh, but we certainly haven't forgot about him. I, I definitely think he should be the first rookie off the board. And that includes running backs, tight ends, quarterbacks. I so much agree with that, but I also would wager to say he's 95 to 5% failure on that one. Wow. My God, that is dude. aggressive. Think about it. That every single catch he has is a highlight. Like, even if it's like a 10-yard catch out of bounds, it's clinical. Catches it with his hands, takes a look around, steps out of bounds, first down. The dude has that instinct. Like, he, he's he's one of those players that you get excited when you watch his tape. You get excited. That guy, that guy is not going to fail. All right, John. So in our, in our main dynasty league, you got the one one So, you know, Jamar Chase is a really important part of your calculus here. What do you think of this guy? Well, I'm not here to argue whether or not Jamar Chase is the best wide receiver because he certainly is the best uh, option on the board. Uh, I liked how he dominated SEC defenses. That's one of my personal biases is like, I love these guys who go against the best defenses and just rock out. He's clearly a polished, a polished route runner. And I think wherever he's drafted, it doesn't matter to me. He's still going to be the wide receiver one for that offense. Like he's going to be the guy, regardless of who he's going up against. He's got first gear. He's got second gear. He's got the third gear. uh, And he's the red zone threat. He's the total package. Now, the reason I disagree with Mitch where he says 95, 5% failure, this guy lost an entire season of reps. And I don't care who you are. If you're not doing it for real for a year, that takes time to recover from. And some people can't recover. Just think about anything you've done that you haven't done in a year. You can usually pick it up with time, but some things you just don't, you lose a step and you don't get it back all the way. So maybe it's not a coin flip. Like Trey said, maybe it's like 80, 20. I think I could probably agree with that, but let, let's just be honest and say that he's not a sure thing. He's pretty damn close. He's as close as you're going to get in this draft, but nobody's a sure thing. Well, I will say to that, 
just as a former athlete, as a very retired athlete who has gone through many, many knee injuries, you take some time off, but when you hop back in, it, it's just it's just like riding a bike. And I know that when an athlete hops off for a year and that's not injured, when they hop back in, same thing, it's instinct. And he's still got it, so I'm not worried about that in the slightest. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a risk worth calling out and being you know, mindful of, but, you know, I stand by the fact that he is the number one receiver in this class. I think you guys all agree with me there. Uh, I I did maybe misspeak earlier. I guess if you're in a super flex league, then yeah, you can probably take Lawrence over him. But uh, I mean, we, we have seen number one receiver prospects fail in the past. I mean, I'm thinking of like Nikhil Harry, but this guy is just like another level of prospect coming out of college than, than Harry was. So yeah, definitely better than a coin flip odds on Jamar Chase. Yeah, so we have Jamar Chase in our consensus rankings at uh, wide receiver 10. Um, so we're on uh, DLF ADP, he's wide receiver 15 overall. So this is wide receiver 10, including all the veterans. And so I have him at 11, John and Trey have him at 12, and Mitch backing up his 95% uh, lock uh, has him at wide receiver nine. So we are aggressive on Jamar Chase, uh, you know, uh, compared to the market. So um, yeah, Jamar Chase is locked in. He's he's the wide receiver one for most people, but there are some people out there that have this guy as their wide receiver one, and that is Heisman winner from Alabama, Devonta Smith. This guy's six foot one. He's 170 pounds, so he's a little bit light. Uh, kind of built like a like a gazelle. Uh, his 40 time is unknown, but if you watch him on tape, you know he moves really well. He's a long strider, um, so he he gets down the field really fast, and he can kind of run every route. His junior year, he you know you could make the argument that in his junior year in 2019, he was the best receiver on the Alabama Crimson Tide, uh, and that includes along with Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs, some first round receivers in uh, 2020. So his junior year at 1,256 yards and 14 touchdowns, and then his senior Heisman winning year, he just went absolutely bananas, 1,856 yards and 23 touchdowns. So. Uh, DLF ADP has Devonta Smith at wide receiver two in this rookie class. What do y'all think about that? I think that's uh, really reasonable. He's definitely in a tier in tier two. I think Jamar Chase is on in a tier of his own. Uh, but I think anyone who puts Smith at the top of tier two, two has a really good argument for that. I mean, he's a great playmaker. Uh, he stretches the defense. He can. He's a red zone weapon. He's going to score a touchdown like. Almost every time he's touched the ball, he's always a threat to score. Uh, but he's kind of small. Like, let's be honest, 170 pounds is not huge. Uh, and that worries me, like, how is his body's going to hold up in the NFL. That's my primary concern. But like you said, he was playing on a team with Calvin Ridley, Ruggs, and Judy all at the same time his freshman year, and he's still showing out then. So I'm not worried about whether or not he's a star. He won Heisman for a reason. Uh he, he and I, he, we've never seen a player like like Smith before, which is why he won the Heisman. And wide receivers don't usually do that. I was trying to think of like a, a comp, and I couldn't come up with the best thing I could come up with is like an undersized Jerry Rice. That's who he reminds me of. He just he's he's going to score almost every time he touches the ball. He just finds a way to do it. Fuck, dude, I feel bad saying this too because like I don't want to hammer us both down on this, but I literally was thinking Jerry Rice when I was watching the guy. But, like, not in the, like, this guy is going to be the Jerry Rice. <laughs> like, more like the guy played the game like Jerry Rice. So I'm not, I'm, I'm certainly not going to die on this hill saying that he's going to be the next Jerry Rice. But his, he, he has that instinct, that stride. He has that ability to step out of bounds when he knows that, oh, this isn't going, that uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hop out instead of just diving diving into the tackle, and that actually is a valuable trait. He doesn't dance, he doesn't juke, 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 juke. He picks a lane, he sticks his foot, and he goes, and that's what gives him that touchdown ability, that, that ability to catch the ball, and he's going to score on that play. Right, he uses his body really well for a guy that's only 170 pounds. Like He, he plays pretty physically and pretty aggressively, 
And I think he's he's stronger than his frame indicates. Trey, what do you think about Devonta Smith? Well, I think you guys know I don't have him as my number two receiver. Uh, now, I mean, he certainly pops on film. And, you know, that's why he won the Heisman, because he was the most explosive, like most impressive uh, player in college football last year. Uh, but, I mean, his size does matter. Uh, the fact that he's, you know, only 170 pounds, we don't have like a comp for a guy like that for a reason. Right. I mean, the only real like top receiver right now, who's in that same kind of ballpark is Calvin Ridley. Who's 20 pounds heavier than he is. And, and Ridley looks like he's going to break in half every time he gets tackled. So, you know, I mean, the other thing is, uh, is Devonte Smith did take until his senior year, uh, to, to really break out, or I guess it was his junior year. And then he stuck around for his senior year. And, you know, some people will try to justify that and say, well, it's because he was, uh, you know, competing for targets at Alabama and it's a stacked receiver room. But, you know, there's just enough there about his profile that kind of screams outlier, you know, good and bad, that I think uh, taking him as your second receiver off the board is just a little bit more risk than I want to do uh, with that pick. Yeah. And so with that outlier, I almost feel this weird safety with it because that Jerry Rice comparison that we were making, that catch and not like plunge into the depths of hell that step out of bounds he kind of understands that 170 frame that he's working with i feel like he he knows when to go out and to to run away and that gives me a little bit of a security knowing that he's perhaps not going to get injured he doesn't have an injury history either i wanted to piggyback off something trey said there because uh, i think that's that's a really important point uh, when when you're drafting in the first round of a rookie draft, like you're you're not you're drafting for uh, a guarantee. You want your first round pick to be a guarantee, and I think that's a really good point that there's some baked in risk here, and that might drive down his value in the first round because of that. But what that means is that you're going to get some value later in the second half of the first round if he drops. But I think that was a really good point. Yeah, let's actually rewind a little bit and uh, talk about how. Uh, Jamar Chase and Devontae Smith more than likely are going to be top 10 picks in the NFL draft. So with Devontae Smith, where do you think is a, a good landing spot for him if we kind of look at those top 10 to 12 picks? Well, I think the the easy answer has got to be the Dolphins, right? Like put him back with his former quarterback in Tua in a system where they don't really have a wide receiver with his skill set, uh, someone a team that could really use him but not to the point where they don't have any other wide receivers where he wouldn't have to necessarily be the guy. They still have Devontae Parker. They just signed Will Fuller. And of course they have Mike Kosicki there at tight end. So I think he slots in there nicely where he could start as maybe the third option there. And once he builds into the playbook, he could definitely end up being the wide receiver one for that team. Yeah. And there's a, there's a couple other teams that are kind of in that range where it makes sense too. So Detroit, you know, they definitely need some help in their receiver room. Uh, they're in that range. Philadelphia just traded back this week. So they're kind of what, like pick 12 or something now. So pick 12. Yeah. Yeah. So, so they're right in that range too. And then, you know, if he does drop a little bit, uh, even a team like the Pats at like 15 or something, um, you know, that that's a room that definitely needs some, uh, some help at receiver. We mentioned Nikhil Harry, uh, earlier who hasn't worked out for them. So all of them seem like good fits. You know, he's going to come in and probably not be immediately the number one guy, but he's going to come in and, and definitely be a difference maker. It's just a matter for me. It's, it's the matter of risk. Like how is he going to adjust to the NFL game? You know, how is he going to adjust to taking hits from, you know, NFL secondaries? So that's yet to be seen. Yeah, so just a quick consensus check. We have Devontae Smith in our consensus rankings at wide receiver 28. So um, still, you know, kind of by our view, going to come in and immediately be uh, a wide receiver two for your team uh, in Dynasty. All right, so the next player, uh, wide receiver three, according to DLF Dynasty ADP in March, um, is from the University of Minnesota, Rashad Bateman, or what Ray, he, Ray GQ calls him, Shoddy B, and I love that nickname. He is six foot, 190 pounds, which is actually a little surprising. Um, I think before he was listed on Minnesota's website as six foot two, 210 pounds. So 
to be a full two inches and a full 20 pounds lower when he came in at his pro day is a little bit surprising, but he did run faster than expected at his pro day uh, at 4.39. And, you know, you can call that a mid 4.4. We're always going to give a little bit of a pro day bump to people. And he jumped a 36 inch vert, which is still a very good vertical. So, um, Trey, you have Rashad Bateman right now slotted as your rookie wide receiver too. Talk to me about what, what you like about Shoddy B. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I mentioned Devonte Smith is my three. I've got Bateman at two and, and honestly they're right there. They're neck and neck. And the reason I give Bateman the edge is just, he doesn't really have anything about his game that screams like risk factor to me. You know, he just looks like a lock across the board. So, you know, he certainly doesn't pop on film as much as uh Smith does. Right. I mean, Smith is like electric and Bateman kind of looks a little bit slower and um, like, he's always like fighting through uh, defenders, but he runs great routes. Uh, he's got the size for the NFL. He's got the speed for the NFL. He broke out at a young age and he's he's leaving early. So I feel like the only question he has left to answer is draft capital. And if he gets that first or second round pick, then um, yeah, he's locked in for me as my number two receiver. Yeah, Trey, I love that. He's He's one of those safe but not sexy picks for me. He's one of those picks where you're, you're going to feel really good about picking them, but nobody's going to be like yo Trey nice pick bro like nice <laughs> nice dude it's it's safe but it feels good that 36 inch vertical is weird though like it looked like he didn't try we mentioned that it, it we all kind of looked at it like nice but like yeah when watching the video it looked like he didn't really wind up that much like, like he probably could have gotten some more air you're like, what are you doing? But also, can we bring the number zero to the NFL? I know that's in the conversation. Yes. So, like, that that's just my <laughs> – I'm throwing that out there right now. That That's in the voting. It's not, but they're voting on numbers. So let's bring the zero. Yeah, so with Rashad Bateman, if you look at a lot of the mock drafts with a lot of the you know NFL guys who are really plugged into teams, it seems like Rashad Bateman is usually slated in as like a late first round, but even more often as an early second round pick in the NFL draft. So right. I recently saw him uh, in Todd McShay's most re- recent draft going to the Eagles in the beginning of the second round. Uh, John, let me get you in here. What do you think about Rashad Bateman? Well, I've got him currently as my rookie wide receiver four, um, but that's just like splitting hairs. That's just where he is right now. The guys two, three, and four for me are basically the same person, and I'm just waiting to see the draft capital. I've got two, three, and four as a tier for me. Wherever these guys land, that he could easily be uh, my wide receiver, rookie wide receiver two, just like Trey. Uh, but Bateman specifically, what when I watch him, I remember 2019 and what I remember was he had opposite of him, Tyler Johnson. And I couldn't tell you which guy was the wide receiver one in that offense. I can tell you which one was the alpha. I love Bateman and I love Johnson. They both looked magnificent. And then this year he held out and he came back and then he held out again. And I just didn't like his film as much. So what I'm thinking, what I'm looking for when he gets drafted is I'm looking for him to not be the one or the two. I'm looking for a 1A, 1B situation. So you said the Eagles, and I kind of like that. If he's right there with a Rager, and they were sitting on opposite sides of the field, I think that's a really nice fit, and he could f- slot in that same role that he was in in Minnesota a couple of years ago where he's not he doesn't necessarily have to be the guy. He could be, but he's not the... Uh, not necessarily the alpha there. So I like that fit. Yeah, John, that that brings me to my final point on him. He reminded me a lot of Brandon Ayuk. Uh and and he's 10 pounds lighter and shorter. But he reminds me a lot of him where like he's definitely going to slot in with like like Debo for example as like a 1 1A 1B. I think that's the perfect comparison. And when I was looking at these two, their games are very similar as well. I I love that. Like a good clean fundamental wide receiver like that's what you're getting right here so you're not getting that guy that's just gonna go ape shit but you're gonna get a good like a good baseline with this guy yeah and and john made a a good point earlier too i mean we are operating without the draft capital information which is a key piece in the puzzle and where we're gonna draft these guys in our rookie draft uh but that said i mean there's there's a couple different good landing spots out there the other one i've seen uh, is the Titans at the end of the first round? You know, uh, he they've got a lot of vacant uh, targets there with with Johnu and uh, Corey Davis leaving. So uh, 
you know, slotting in in next to AJ AJ Brown would be a pretty cool situation too. Trey, let me ask you though. Uh, I think he's the perfect fit for the Ravens. Where, where are you slotting him if he oh, ends up there? Man, what about that, Hollywood? Shut the fuck up, dude. Come on. Yeah, I mean, Who? so most of our listeners probably know that Ravens, uh, the Baltimore Ravens, is where uh, fantasy uh, players go to die, especially receivers. So, yeah, anywhere but Baltimore. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if you if you are running the ball in Baltimore, that's all systems go. Um, but yeah, I mean, and I will just say that uh, I think Tyler Johnson, especially in college, was a really, really good player. And, you know, in 2019, Rashad Bateman came in, broke out as a sophomore. And just like John said, he was the alpha 60 receptions, 1219 yards and 11 touchdowns. And he just looked amazing out there, kind of just made Tyler Johnson, who is a productive player and a good NFL player, a, a second, a secondary thought. So we're really excited for Rashad Bateman here at the long game. Okay. Let's move on to our fourth wide receiver, according to DLF dynasty ADP. And that is that little muscle hedgehog Rondale Moore. So at his pro day, he measured in another guy that measured in even a little smaller than we thought he was five foot seven, 180 pounds. So Still pretty thick at five foot seven, 180 pounds. Um, at the pro day, he ran a 429. So, you know, call it a low 43, which is still blazing fast. And he jumped a whopping 42.4 inch vertical. So, this is an explosive player. Some essential statistics, you know, big breakout as a true freshman. So, he came in uh, from to Purdue University, 114 receptions, 1,258 yards, and 12 touchdowns as an 18 year old. Also, over 200 yards on the ground on only 21 touches. You know, then he had a very injury-marred 2019, followed by COVID season, where, similar to Rashad Bateman, he was kind of in and out of the lineup with opt-outs. So, Rondell Moore, very explosive, um, obviously similar amount of injury risk as somebody like Devontae Smith. What do we think about Rondell Moore here? I'll jump in. Uh, He is... I know we've got him here at four, but he's actually the top of uh, my tier three. I've got him at number five. Um, and the reason is kind of what I said earlier, uh, my tier one, tier two, I don't want to have to take any, uh, I don't want to take a lot of risk in those places. And I think Rondale Moore, his ceiling is through the roof, but I think there is some risk there because of the injuries. Uh, he had a hard time staying on the field. When he's on the field, he's explosive. But I also think uh, that he's, He's a deep threat, and he's he could score every time he touches the ball. But the reason he can score every time he touches the ball is because the coach at Purdue was scheming to Rondale Moore, and I think he needs to be in a place where somebody's going to scheme to him. I think that if you just stick him out there with any old team, it's uh, not necessarily a recipe for success. So I'd love to see him in a place like Green, Be- Green Bay or Carolina. Uh, if he could slot in right there for like Curtis Samuel, that would be that's he's going to shoot up the boards for me. Uh, but I think there's some risk here. Um, and I also think he's limited to the slot just because of his size. Um, so I think that kind of caps his ceiling a little bit. Yeah. I mean, John, I, you said a lot of good stuff in there and he's definitely going to be situation dependent for me too. Uh, I definitely don't see his uh, ceiling being all that, uh, high at his, uh, size, you know, I mean, guys, his size don't really come in and uh, you know, blow the top off of the league. So it'll be uh, interesting to see. He's too small. He's just yeah. he's too small. His, his yeah. style is reckless too, which I love. I love that. But he he goes head first into the defender. He he's a wrecking ball, and his he's just so landing place dependent. Give him the twenty twenty one version of Jeff Fisher, and this guy is ruined for his entire career. Like, I, I don't know. You can't be you can't be too excited about the guy. He's gonna get hurt. He is. He's really small. I mean, a guy like that kind of operating as a primary wide receiver would be a little bit unprecedented as far as I can tell. I'm wondering if he goes to a situation where he's kind of used as a souped up kind of super version of James White or Tariq Cohen or something like that. And, you know, John mentioned kind of a really good archetype in Curtis Samuel, uh, but he's even smaller and he has that injury history. So he's already got that baked in injury risk. So, you know, I think we are a little bit as a group uh, in consensus, a little bit lower on Rondale Moore uh, than DLF. We've got him at our wide receiver 43 uh, overall. So, you know, I think we're, 
excited about his explosiveness, but we're also hesitant because there's just a lot of risk baked in, like more than what we were talking about earlier with Devontae Smith and his injury risk, because we have a history of injuries here. Okay, so that wraps up our top four rookies. He had Jamar Chase from LSU, Devonta Smith from the Crimson Tide, Rashad Bateman uh, from the University of Minnesota, and Rondale Moore, a Purdue Boilermaker. Let's jump into our halftime segment here. All right. So in the halftime, every week we are going to be doing a game where I ask a question and each of our participants here give me uh, an answer that is argument based and I award a point to who I think made the best argument. So in this week, we've been talking about these young guys, these rookie receivers. Let's give some love to the old guys. And by old uh, we mean younger than us, so like 20, <laughs> 29 and above. Um, oh, Jesus. So the question is this, guys. Who is a receiver aged 29 or older that you're targeting if you're a contender in a dynasty league? Let's start with Trey. All right. So I think there's two obvious answers here, and those obvious answers are Julio Jones and Adam Thielen just because they're the, the top-ranked older guys. Uh, I would actually go after someone like Marvin Jones because uh, he's basically free, right? He's going to cost you what, like a third round pick? This is a guy who's currently ranked uh, 48th in uh, ECR for Fantasy Pros redraft rankings. And he's always had a nose for the end zone. He's good for like nine touchdowns a year. And uh, he's just now signed with the Jags. So, you know, Visca and Chark, these aren't the healthiest guys out there. So I'd say there's probably about like a 50-50 chance that Jones is getting wide receiver two, maybe even wide receiver one reps at some point this year. And even if those guys stay healthy, we don't know how the targets are going to shake out with uh, Urban and uh, Trevor Lawrence there running the show. So, you know, right now he's projected to score more than Pittman, Kirk and Slayton in redraft. And I think there's upside for a lot more on your contender dynasty roster. Okay, that is definitely a cheap option. Discount shopping, babe. John, uh, who do you got? I'm going to leave the low hanging fruit for uh, Mitch, but I'm going to kind of take this from a different angle. And I'm going to say, go buy Antonio Brown right now. Uh, this guy has never had less than a 1000 yard season when he's played at least 14 games. So last season he was out for eight games. Um, but we know he's got to come back. This guy's in some legal trouble. He needs some money. We know he's coming back. He's talking to the bucks. He, they're just, they're trying to decide the money right now. But if we take, if we extrapolate, his 483 yards and four touchdowns in the eight games he did play last season, he would have been wide receiver 18 on the year with nearly 190 uh, points at 11.8 points per game. And since right now he hasn't signed, there's all these questions. You can probably get him cheap if you're a contender. And if you're a contender, you might need to buy somebody cheap. So this is a big time contender buy for me. He has the potential to be what your, uh, your first flex, maybe your wide receiver three, if he, continues to do what he's done basically his entire career. And there's no indication that he wouldn't do that. Okay. That is, I, I like that. That's a good argument coming in with another cheap option. All right, Mitch, are you going to, you going to stay in the bargain bin or what you doing? No, dude, you guys are cheap bastards and you're wrong. I mean, come on now. Like Antonio Brown. No, 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 no. Let's talk about Adam Thielen. Uh, we're talking about number seven wide receiver, 2018 number seven wide receiver 2020 and we're talking about a guy that's going for like a second round pick like who's to say that he's gonna just drop off all the coverage is gonna be on our boy justin jefferson so adam thielen's just gonna have a field day uh why are we sleeping on him why are we sleep we're we're a contender we're a contender let's give up a second round pick and go get a guy that you're starting every single week Hard to argue with that. I mean, he has finished really high for the last three or four years. Adam Thielen, Antonio Brown, and Marvin Number Jones. seven. We're talking about t number 28. Or I'm well, sorry, number 18, John. Number yeah, 18. Here's, here's, my, here's my hesitance on Adam Thielen. He's just, at this point in his career, he's going to be extremely touchdown dependent, um, especially with Justin Jefferson kind of soaking up all the yards there. But I do agree. Like he's a he's a he's a great receiver to target. Um, but I'm gonna go ahead and give it to John here. Uh, I I like the target of Antonio Brown. I think 
he may be just as cheap, maybe a little bit more expensive than Marvin Jones, but I think his ceiling is way higher, especially if, especially if he goes back to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which is the expectation, right? Okay, uh, so in our first halftime, John wins, all right? So bank We're a point. We're just ignoring for- the fact he doesn't have a contract, but, you know, congrats, John. <laughs> That's why you yeah, got cheap. I, I, I super disagree, but, you know, who cares? Watch him sign with the Ravens. We'll see how that works out. Oh, yeah. Well, that's Oof. why don't don't pay more than a third. Whatever, Tarek. You should be able to get Antonio Brown for a third round pick. So I thought it was a good argument. I liked how he extrapolated the stats from the eight games. I'm a I'm a sucker for extrapolation. So, you know, keep that in mind moving forward. Cool All story. Right. Let's move on to our second half of this show on rookie receivers. So we're going wide receiver five through wide receiver eight, according to DLF ADP. And at wide receiver five, kind of a little bit of a surprise given where he's projected to go in the NFL draft. It is Jalen Waddell from the University of Alabama. So Devonta Smith's teammate here comes in at five foot 10, 183 pounds. Uh, We didn't get an official 40 time from him anywhere, but probably low four threes, maybe even in the rugs territory at, you know, four, two, eight, four, two, nine. He's a blazer out there. He is extremely fast. Um, he had a strong freshman year with 45 receptions, 848 yards and seven touchdowns regressed a little bit as a sophomore. And he was on his way to a breakout as a junior in 2020. He had 28 receptions, 591 yards and four touchdowns in only six games. And that was really just five games because he was a decoy in the national championship. So he was really on his way to kind of having this monster season. And then he got that really kind of catastrophic ankle injury early in the season. So Jalen Waddell here, DLF ADP wide receiver five. So John, I am going to throw this to you because I know you are pretty high on Waddle. You have him ranked a little bit higher than wide receiver five uh, DLF ADP here. What do you got? Yeah, I've got him at uh, wide receiver two. And like I said, the two, three, and four, that's me, Waddle, uh, Smith, and then Bateman. Those are all very close. But uh, when I'm watching Waddle, I'm seeing something that we don't see in any of these other guys. You've got the deep threat. you got the threat to score every time. And he's got the super speed. Now, Smith wins the Heisman. I guarantee you, if Waddle's on the field the entire season, there's no way Smith won, wins that Heisman. He still has an excellent season, but Waddle is going could have easily uh, replicated those numbers if Smith had been the one that was injured instead of Waddle. Uh, my only concerns for him is the ankle injury. Is like, is he gonna is he gonna lose a step because of that? But that's just a minor concern. I think the ceiling for this guy is through the roof. Uh, he, my, my only question besides the injury, I guess then is where's he going to land? Because if he ends with the lions, uh, lands with the lions, that's, that's going to be an issue for me. I think Jared Goff, uh, he's got the arm, but, uh, I think Waddle needs somebody who's going to be a little bit more of a risk taker. Uh, and so same concern if he ends up with like new England or something, cause Cam Newton isn't going to be launching the balls down. The, I think the, I guess the point I'm trying to make is I want to see him in an, an offense like with Jameis Winston, someone who's going to launch the ball to him where he's going to find find him open in space and he's just going to be able to run with the ball because that's Waddle's greatest attribute to me is when he's got the ball, he's a threat to score every single time. And I know you're going to you're going to be mad at me because of when I what I'm about to say, but if there was ever a comparison to Tyreek Hill, this is as close as we've been. I love Jalen uh. my number 2. Go ahead, let me have it. Everybody always wants to make those Tyreek Hill comps with these fast oh, guys. I hate it. No, I no, I don't. I don't think so, buddy. I don't think so. He, I like the post hype, but I don't think you're gonna go that high. I think that he he looks. Wait, very what do you nice mean? Po- what do you mean post hype? What does that mean? I believe that he's going to sink based on what John's saying here. That because of his ankle injury, or because he might land with the Lions? Yes, and yes, right. So like he's just going to. People were high. His stock has been falling, is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is clear here at wide receiver five and DLF ADP. Right, exactly. So, like, it, it's almost like people people just keep sleeping harder. It's going to happen even further. Yeah, so Mitch, where do you have Waddle then? I have Waddle at, uh looks like, wide receiver 24. 
And that's right behind Julio Jones and right in front of Jerry Judy. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, in terms of like your rookie ranking, so he's like your second rookie off the board. Then? Yeah. Wide receiver too. It looks like. Okay. Well, I'm just confused because like earlier you said, like you think he's like post hype and he's like falling and it sounded like you were fading him, but if he's your well, number I'm two saying, receiver, that means you've got no, him over he is Bateman mine. I'm saying that Smith. indeed. I'm just saying, as John's saying, he, he is fading in the public eye and that's okay. what I'm saying. He's being post hype. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think he's fading for good reason. I mean, he, he is just a, he is a bigger outlier to me than, uh, than Smith is. I mean, he's, he's not a tall guy, right? He's only uh five nine and he didn't really break out until his junior year. Right. So his age 21 season, he didn't get more than 30% of that, uh, you know, dominator in that offense. So yeah, I mean, he really hasn't shown enough to me to say he's a locked in first round pick. Uh, you know, yes, short, fast guys can be Tyreek Hill, but they can also be John Ross. So this guy just has potential bust written all over him to me. Um, I've got him at five right now. I think it's probably about like a 50-50 chance that he hits as a pro, but there's a definitely a lot of risk there. And I may end up moving him a little bit uh, further down just depending on where his, uh, his draft capital ends up. I think a lot of people are their opinions of this clearly excellent player are being biased by the recent drafting of Henry Ruggs. And I just want to say for the record that I think Waddle's a much better prospect than Ruggs. Uh, Ruggs had straight line speed, but Waddle has demonstrated an ability to make quick turns and find open space a lot better than Ruggs ever did. Now, I, I agree. There is some risk baked in there, but uh, I, I'm a lot more optimistic than you are, Trey. Right. But Ruggs was like our, he was our second or third receiver last year and that was probably too high. So yeah, yeah, I think it's fair to drop him down into this five range, which is where I have him. And, um, I'm, I'm definitely scared about like some of the, uh, the outlier factors that I see here with this guy. That's fair. I actually think Ruggs, I mean, generally last year he was ranked behind Lamb, Judy, Rager, and Jefferson. I mean, you could, some people may have had him over Rager and Jefferson, but I think he was probably also in that wide receiver five range last right, year. And arguably that was too high. Yeah, obviously. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens with, with, uh, with Henry Ruggs, but that's not looking too good. All right, let's move on from Jalen Waddle and let's go to the LSU tiger. The second LSU tiger on our list here, Terrace Marshall jr. So he comes in at six foot two, 205 pounds and he ran a purported, just like Jamar Chase, a 4.38 as, as his pro day. So let's add half a second to that, which is still very fast. Um, and he jumped a 39-inch vertical, which is really nice. This is prototypical size and athleticism here. He was really productive as a true sophomore as when you consider that he was third fiddle to uh, Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. So in that year, in 2019, with uh, Joe Burrow slinging the ball, he had 46 receptions, 671 yards, and 13 touchdowns. Now, in only seven games here in 2020, as a junior, he put up 48 receptions, 731 yards, and 10 touchdowns. So really, really great per-game averages there, really great dominator percentage. What do we think about Terrace Marshall here, who is the wide receiver six in DLF ADP? Yeah, so so Terrace Marshall is my number four after Devontae Smith and head of Waddle. So I'm I'm definitely a fan. Uh, he's another guy where he just looks good across the board. There's not really any red flags. And, you know, he's probably going to get that second round uh, draft capital, which is good enough for me. Um, you know, some of the criticism of him is that he's like a bit raw and maybe a little bit unpolished with some of his uh, route running but he's shown enough uh, production at the college level and enough uh, natural ability to, you know, blow the top off of a defense that he's going to be a game maker. And I think he's going to be a pretty valuable uh, fantasy asset. So I would be willing to put him right behind Devonte Smith and, uh, and uh, any rookie draft these days. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I've been reading and I've been watching and he does look polished that four, three, eight, that that was way faster than we were expecting. He doesn't look that fast on the field. He actually could be the the Mike Thomas vibes, the, like the the cuts, the routes. He he looks like a very good good player, and he's going pick what like second round fourth pick. That's that's what I was reading on uh, Pro Football Focus. Yeah, on the low end, on the low end, maybe. Yeah, that's that would be a great value at two hundred four. But I, you know, when I read things like that, I'm like, there's no, no way. Oh, you mean the re the real NFL draft? No, 
in the rookie in in fantasy rookie drafts? Yes. Okay, sorry, just clarification there. Yeah, absolutely. And th- and there's just simply no way that that he's going that low. Like he's going in the first round. Yeah, um John, what do you think about Terrace Marshall as a prospect? I think he's got great size, he's got great speed. If um I'm going to gr- draft him, I'm trying to get him either in the back half of the first round or the beginning of the second if I can steal him there. And the reason is he's I, I I agree with the assessment that he's still a little raw, but I also think that his ceiling is through the roof. I think of all these guys, he could be potentially one of the best wide receivers to come out of this class, but I don't expect that to happen this season. I'm not If I'm drafting him, I'm not drafting him with the expectation of ever starting him in 2021. I'm looking for him to be a guy in 2022, and that's where he's going to start finding his stride. Um, if uh, I'm feeling good about it, if he has a few games here and there at the end of the 2021 season, but I don't think you draft this guy with the expectation that going in that he's going to be the guy this season. Once he finds a stride, though, once he polishes it up a little bit, I think he could be one of the top guys. Uh, yeah, and, and out of I, I see what you're saying, but I still I still think that he's shown enough production in the SEC to where we can co- expect him to at least flash as a rookie and show you know all the reasons why we. We're going to draft him as a late first, early second. Um, and honestly, if, if Rashad Bateman keeps uh, shrinking like this, then uh, I might have to move Bateman down behind Marshall because, uh, I mean, like I said, he just has no red flags across the board. He's got everything you want in a, uh, a receiver prospect. And uh, really all that's missing is the draft capital. Yeah, so, I mean, a lot of what we're saying about Terrace Marshall here, and I, you know, this is probably a false equivalence because they're both LSU Tigers, but it reminds me of a lot, a lot of the narrative around Justin Jefferson last year. So Justin Jefferson was thought of coming into the NFL as kind of a raw prospect, somebody who really only played in the slot. Um, but, and then at the combine, he ran faster than everybody thought he was going to run. And then he comes into the NFL and he just explodes. So I'm not saying they're the same player, but I'm just saying, you know, I'm 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 turning our eye to the narrative about Terrace Marshall. And I'm saying we've seen this narrative before and it can be broken. So, you know, his ceiling is there. Yeah. Mitch, what you got? Yeah. And I, I'm I promise I'm not trying to pat myself on the back here, but I did not read anything about this guy before I started watching tape and the literal first thing I wa- or wrote down was like he looks polished and so when you guys are all saying he doesn't look polished I was like what, what, what do you mean like that's his biggest criticism to me he looked like like he was like getting better and better at his routes and so when I made the Michael Thomas comparison it, that seems to be as far off as possible with what you guys are saying. So I don't know. I, I just wanted to throw that part in where like, what, uh, like I'm actually kind of surprised at the evaluation because for me, like standing in there at LSU, he, he looked great. Yeah. And I mean, just for clarification, I think, you know, we're saying that these this is the perception of him that's not necessarily the perception i have of him john you mentioned that he you you think he's more of a raw prospect but i i i tend to agree with both mitch and trey here that i think he can step in and make an immediate impact i think that ceiling is there all right guys we got to move on uh we're going to go on to our wide receiver 7 here and that is from Ole miss or as as of late we're going to call it wide receiver u Elijah Moore, slot receiver. Uh, he's five foot nine, 180 pounds, and at his pro day, he ran a four three five. So call that a high four three, extremely fast and a truly. I you know we haven't talked about three cone, but his three cone was six point six six, which anything under seven is really good. Six point six six is like blazing. So he has routes for days. Um, in his sophomore year, he had 67 receptions for 850 yards and six touchdowns. So that was in 2019. And then last year in 2020, 86 receptions, 1,193 yards and eight touchdowns as a junior. Uh, I am really high on Elijah Moore. I really like his tape. I really like what he does on the field. And I think he can be a really productive NFL player right when he steps in, uh, playing from the slot. What do y'all think about Elijah Moore? Well, I have him at wide receiver number 34. So 
I'd say that's pretty, pretty damn high. Um, and I have to do it. And I'm very, very sorry because like, I, I feel like we've done it way too much, but the, the Tyree comparison has to be in this conversation. I'm so sorry. No, this but, is a slot guy. This is a slot, this is a guy, slot man. guy. Oh, okay. But we're talking five, nine to five, 10, 180 to 185. 40s, uh, the 430, 4.35 to 4.29. Yeah. I mean, maybe like height and speed, but it's just. It, okay. All right. Well, um, when you watch them, it's one of those one step goes, one of those just this guy is big and fast. Yeah. Uh, he's got that low center of gravity. He's got the good instincts. I don't know. Find him in the right situation. This guy is going to be insane yeah i mean he's to me he looks like a more productive rondale Moore. i mean he's definitely going to be a slot guy and and slot guys have a role on your dynasty team because you know especially if you're getting uh ppr points they're going to have a nice high floor for you because you know we're going to assume they're going to get you know five six catches a game right so he could come in and be a productive part of a good offense uh you know on day one uh right now i have him just one spot behind rondale Moore. i have him at uh seven and, you know, most of the reason why is just because we don't know how the draft's going to shake out yet. Uh, Elijah Moore, for whatever reason, has kind of got more of the late first, uh, maybe mid second round uh, draft cap uh, grade on him where Rondell Moore is a little bit higher. But I mean, he's basically shown a lot of the same traits, the explosiveness out of the slot, but with more consistent production over three years. I agree with that, uh, that Rondell Moore and Elijah Moore are uh, kind of in the same ballpark there. They're both going to be slot guys. Uh, I think Rondale Moore is definitely the more explosive player, though. I I, I would prefer Rondale Moore, but I, I agree that he's going to be landing spot dis, uh, dependent. And one of these two guys is going to end up on a spot where they're going to be starting in the slot and they're going to dominate. And I think that for that reason, Elijah Moore uh, could definitely be a top five guy out of this draft. Uh, but we're going to have to wait a month to find out. And for now, I'm a little bit more... Uh, conservative on my ranking of him than y'all are i mean let's just have a good uh understanding of slot guys right like slot guys have high floors and mm -hmm. kind of low ceilings right so right. he can be a productive member of your starting roster but he's not going to be the next you know dk metcalf or aj brown yeah right and uh yeah no relation between rondale moore and elijah moore but um yeah, I mean it is it's it's interesting they are very similar players. I do think Elijah Moore is a much more polished route runner, which is why I think that he can come in and make more of an immediate impact and I also think he doesn't have near the injury concern that Ron Dale has. He is a little bit bigger, uh, a little bit higher BMI, so we like that. Um yeah, so Elijah Moore, uh we have him at wide receiver 45 in our consensus rankings. So like Mitch said, he's quite a bit higher, uh, about nine spots higher than that in his personal rankings. But uh, I, just as a cap on Elijah Moore, I saw him in Todd McShay's um, newest mock this morning uh, going in the late first ahead of Rondale Moore. So I think he's gaining steam. Uh, you know, guys like McShay hold a lot of sway in terms of how these guys' values are shaping out. All right, uh, sorry to move us along a little bit quickly here, but let's move to our wide receiver eight in ADP, and that is from Oklahoma State, Tylen Wallace. So this is a guy who's five foot 11, 193 pounds. He had his pro day today, um, and you know there was the numbers were kind of all over the board. So it looked like he was kind of between four four eight and four five two in the forty. But you watch this guy in-game and his in-game speed is incredible and he's got a 33 inch vertical uh which you know is a little bit disappointing compared to some of the other guys that we're talking about here um as a sophomore he was insane for oklahoma state there in the big 12 86 receptions 1491 yards and 12 touchdowns and he was on pace for a similarly insane year as a junior before he tore his acl now, last year in 2020, he came back and he played really well as a senior in 10 games. He had 59 receptions, 922 yards, and six touchdowns. Tylen Wallace is a guy that people love. Like, there are Tylen Wallace truthers out there that have him as their wide receiver four in this class or something like that. I'm pretty high on Tylen Wallace. I don't know if I'm that high. Uh, what do you guys think about Tylen? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's fair to have him uh, up there, you know, with Waddle, with these slot guys. I I have him a little bit lower. Um, you know, I guess the big question mark for me is, you know, he did have the torn ACL, which meant he came back for his senior year. So he didn't get to leave early. And, you know, typically guys that that leave early, you know, make up uh, more of our top receivers in the NFL than um, than the guys who stick around and play for four years. And um, I mean, the other piece of the puzzle then is, is the injury risk going to drive down his draft capital if he doesn't go until the fourth round or later, uh, which, you know, could be a little bit crazy, but crazy things happen in the NFL draft every year. Uh, then he's definitely not as attractive as some of these other guys projected to go in the second round, um, at least to me. So, yeah, I mean, I would listen to any argument uh, for him, you know, in this five to 10 range, but I've got him on the low end of that range, at least right now until we see the draft. Tylen's not a guy that I would reach for in the rookie drafts. Like if he's sitting there for me <clears throat> in the beginning or mid second round, then I'm going to grab him because I think he's really good value there. Uh, but like Trey said, uh, it would have been great if he could have come out last year without the injury because uh, we saw that explosion on the field. But I think there's just a lot of uncertainty right now. And I think that he could be a really important part of your roster. Uh, but there's also also the risk that uh, he won't be. Uh, I, I kind of have an implicit bias against any receiver who plays in the Big 12 because uh, it seems like they all put up gaudy numbers that are hard to replicate in the NFL. Uh, but he's definitely a guy that could make that jump. Um, he kind of, you hate to compare him to a guy who went to the same school, but you know, James Washington has had a, I, what I think is a very successful career coming out of Oklahoma, out of that Oklahoma state system. Um, I guess, good man. I, well, maybe well, successful NFL career, but not for, not for fantasy. Yeah. Your 97, uh, free agency budget worth of, uh, uh how much you pay for him when I dropped him. <laughs> I forget yeah, it was $97, buddy. I remember. I he's going to he's a he's a solid deep threat and I think that Tylen Wallace could play a similar role for a team where he's a solid member of that team of the wide receiver core. He's not going to be the wide receiver one for any team, but definitely could be a really solid wide receiver two for a team. Mitch, what do you think about Tylen Wallace? Yeah, it's it's just that it's it's not much. And uh as I said to John there, it's kind of a James Washington situation where, yeah, I'm not too excited about it. Nobody is too excited about it. Um, yeah, I'm not drafting him. Guys, I, I just want to say, because we've done this a couple times now, I hate the comparison of the, the guy to the other guy that went to the same school as him, you know? Like, this thing, like, fills me with such rage whenever it happens that I'm just, That's like, fair. over That's here fair. just gripping my desk. Trying the not point to I was trying to make... Right they come out of a similar college system. And so you can draw the line that way. No, I get it. I get why people do it. It's, I think I just, it, to me, it feels like a lazy comparison. So let's, let's do better guys. Yeah. So Tylen Wallace is ranked uh, in our consensus at wide receiver 57. And I am the highest on him at wide receiver 50. So, you know, we're not absurdly high on Tylen Wallace. Uh, we're hedging a little bit. This is a guy, I think like some, some of you have said, we really want to see where he lands. You know, if he gets that second round draft capital to the green Bay Packers, then, you know, he's probably going to shoot up draft boards, but, uh, we're just going to have to wait and see. Uh, we know that the Packers really hate giving Aaron Rodgers good weapons. So, <laughs> Uh, we, we can't bank on that. All right. So that wraps up our eight rookies. Just a quick recap. Number one was Jamar chase. Number two, Devonta Smith. Number three, Rashad Bateman. Number four, Rondale Moore. Number five was Jalen Waddle. Number six, Terrace Marshall. Number seven, Elijah Moore. And number eight, Tylen Wallace. Um, I want to give each of the three of you an opportunity if you want to talk about a guy that is outside of the top eight here that we should keep our eye on. So Trey, why don't you go and start? Yeah, so I'll start us off with uh, Dayami Brown out of uh, North Carolina. So he's actually my number eight guy right now, right after the uh, the two slot dudes. And uh, I kind of see him in the same mold as Tylen Wallace. He's just a super productive player who can blow the top off the defense and kind of run, you know, pretty much any route you need him to. He's projected to go second round, maybe early third. And uh, yeah, I mean, the only real knock against him is he's a little bit skinny at 185 and, and six foot one. 
But, you know, if he gets uh, into a pro training program and, and uh, bulks up a little bit, I think he can, you know, compete at the next level. So um, if assuming he gets that second round draft cap, uh, he's definitely somebody I'll be uh, looking to target in the uh, in the second round of rookie drafts. Yeah. Mitch, did you have anybody you wanted to mention here? No, I didn't really have anybody in this in this segment here. Seth Williams, I'm high on, but I think that a lot of people are pretty high on him as well. I don't know if from John... Auburn. Yeah, Seth Williams from Auburn. Yeah, so, yeah I, I I think that he's going to be somebody that's going to be ascending these draft boards. He kind of reminds me of Gabriel Davis from the Bills, where like he's going to be one of those guys that's drafted later in the like. I don't know, second round, maybe somebody might jump on it, but uh, early third, mid second. And he's going to be one of those guys you got to be patient with where you're going to draft him maybe from a taxi squad, but uh, it would not be a guy that you would want to draft expecting to be in your starting lineup. Yeah, no, I I do like the Seth Williams call. I think uh, he's a guy where it's like, who knows where he's going to go in the draft. If he does end up going in the third round, uh, he doesn't really have a lot of red flags just looking at his profile. Um, and he looks like an absolute beast in the red zone. So I definitely think uh, some NFL teams are going to uh, jump on that and figure a way to get him involved down in uh, those tight corners. Yeah, so we lost John. His microphone crapped out. But I will just quickly say in his stead, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown out of USC is a guy you need to pay attention to. Um, he is you know, kind of an analytics darling. And then also Kadarius Tony. So on the other end of them on Raw St. Brown, the, you know, Trey's grimacing, but Kadarius Tony is going to get first round draft capital. So it's something we got to pay attention to. It could be, you know, a Henry Ruggs type situation where, you know, a team just falls in love with that speed and uh, he doesn't end up doing much for fantasy. Fantasy people are pretty low on him, but he's somebody we got to pay attention to in the second round of our rookie drafts. So. All right. Well, uh, sorry we lost John, um, but you know we'll we'll get back with him next week. Uh, th- thank you so much for listening to this inaugural episode of the Long Game Dynasty podcast. Next week we are going to be continuing our conversation with the rookies, and we're going to talk everybody's favorite position in Dynasty, and that is running backs. So we will see you next week. Thanks for tuning in. Later, guys. Adios. Cheers. Cheers.